we go. Episode number 48 of No Laugh Track, Acme Comedy's official podcast. Thanks to the guys in Circle of Heat for letting us use their music there at the beginning of the show. My name's Justin Severson. I uh, hope I don't start shouting into this microphone to talk over the construction sounds I'm hearing in the background, but maybe the mic isn't picking that up. Let's hope so. In any case, live from Acme Comedy, also my special guest, Will Durst. Hey, Mr. Severson. Hey, Great uh, to be here. Yes. Thank you very much for being here. Uh, not only are we are site of a uh, quasi-construction area outdoors here at Acme, but I bet you didn't expect you'd have to bring your long underwear in May to Minnesota. I know last week uh, it was, what, 70? And and now uh, this morning there were school closings. It, and It's absolutely ridiculous. It's like the Tora Bora of weather here. There's a, there's a city, uh, Owatonna, 13 inches of snow. 13! 13 in the and, last 24 hours. And nothing here. No, no, nothing. Nothing, nothing in the uh, metro area. But I, uh, I was supposed to, my, my D-League softball team season was supposed to start last week. <laughs> I don't, I, we might as well push it back to August at this point. You know, because everybody in the country has that phrase, you know, that they, oh, you don't like the weather, you should wait 15 minutes, you know, and, and they do it in the south, they do it, but nobody, this is dead center, you gotta wait. One year, I came here. And uh, it came in on a Tuesday, and we had a circle uh, for like 30 minutes because of the fog. So we couldn't land because of the <laughs> right, fog. Right. And then the, the next day, there was snow. And then the third day, it was like 75, and people were playing Frisbee in T-shirts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I picked my kids up from school on Tuesday, and they were both wearing uh, skirts, you know, bare legs. It was that nice. Girls? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Good. We're very open in my family. Uh, I let the boys wear whatever they like. That's very San Francisco. <laughs> no, no, two little girls dressing appropriately, yeah. I, I guess. So, uh, yeah, you just got to town yesterday, correct? I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, every Tuesday, I'm doing a show at a little theater in San Francisco called The Marsh. Okay. And I'm doing a, a baby boomer show. It's called Boomer Raging uh, from LSD to OMG. And, <laughs> Yeah, it's just me talking about the baby boomers. So I came in on Wednesday, but then they had a corporate gig, so I didn't have to work. And then, uh, so I start tonight. Thursday yeah, night. the shortened week. So yeah, Thursday short. through Saturday. Very good. Uh, do you live in San Francisco? I do. I live right in the city. Uh, we It's called the Sunset District, but you can never see the damn sunset because of the fog. So <laughs> you might as well call it the Unicorn District. But I live there. I've been, I moved from Milwaukee in 79. Okay. uh, Because comedy was illegal in Milwaukee. (laughs) Through a bizarre licensing law that was actually true. What? Yeah, because when they wrote the municipal code for comics, the comics were MCs for strippers. So they wrote them under the same code. So if you want to have stand up comedy, you have to buy a nude dancing license, which is fifteen hundred bucks a year. It was in '79. I don't know what it is now. You know, it's, it's probably like three grand or so. So all the comedy clubs in Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, have to have a nude dancing license, which is I know it's it's ridiculous, but uh, it's still true. And uh, so I moved to San Francisco. Because at the time, there were three cities in the country we could earn your living at stand-up. And they were Chicago, Boston, and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew Chicago. Not a big fan of Chicago. Uh, Boston had winter, and San Francisco won. Is it, do you don't like Chicago because of the uh, I don't rivalry like with Milwaukee? No, I don't like Chicago because of Chicagoans. 
I, I think Chicago is a wonderful city, and it's wasted on Chicagoans. <laughs> Here's my theory. Yeah. In New York, they're ugly but smart. In L.A., they're pretty but stupid. And in mm-hmm. Chicago, they're ugly and stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel. Oh, will you be performing there soon? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. They got this thing. They call us cheeseheads. So my joke is, you know, what's the difference between a cheesehead and a dickhead? The Illinois border. Nice. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. And I know and I know here in Minnesota that you guys got, you know, a problem with cheeseheads. Of course. Well, yeah. Especially when we win the Super Bowl. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that happens? I- <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not saying that some team is 0-4 in Super Bowls, but yeah, I do yeah. keep track. Yeah, and, and so, but but you make fun of cheeseheads, but not as much as you make fun of Iowans, right? And not as much as you make fun of Dakotans. Oh yeah. But now you got the whole problem because Dakota's oil rich suddenly, so now you got uppity. Odin's, ah. which has got to be Odin's worst fear. Yeah, if, <laughs> more likely to see an alien. I think most yeah. people at one point thought. Yeah, I know, but he, that's funny. And people are actually leaving Minnesota to get jobs there. Yeah. yeah, you know who else is leaving Minnesota to get jobs there besides these people? Uh, Football players. Uh, the uh, not just the people working, you know, to get the oil, but the uh, the prostitutes, of course. Hookers, huge business. Yes, yes. Well, you get all these guys. Uh, living together because there's no housing in Dakota and uh, a lot of disposable income. Oh, yeah. So you figure it out. (laughs) It's Deadwood all over. That's right. That's easy math. I see you have your uh, San Francisco Giants baseball T-shirt on there. Yeah, we've been very lucky the last two out of the three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Do you ever go to those games? That stadium looks gorgeous. It is. It's beautiful. And my wife and I actually did work for the San Francisco Giants under the old regime. Mm-hmm. And so we traded our work for season tickets because the Giants, you know, not very popular. So we had season tickets since 87. Holy cow. Yeah. And uh, when the new regime came in in 93, our tickets were privatized. So we bought them. And we've been uh, we've had season tickets ever since. When they moved to the new stadium, we kept them. And so we've been able to go to a lot of the really exciting games, which you guys knew from, you know, what was it, uh, 97 and 01, didn't you win or something? Oh, the World Series for the Twins, 1987 and 91. 87 and 91, yeah. that's right. <laughs> Long time ago. Oh, yeah. Sorry yeah. about that. No, we're, yeah, we, uh, the Twins, you know, bring those players back for, I mean, now they're doing 20-year yeah. reunions. <laughs> but, yeah, and, and, and Target Field? Gorgeous. Love and, it. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, you should head, you should head over there. There's a... Uh, no game this week. I already checked. But I have not been to Target Field, and I'm looking forward to it. Unfortunately, the Twins aren't playing this year, uh, this week. Oh, you're right. They're not. Yeah, they're going to be in uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah. In Cleveland. Yeah, I actually have a. Uh, uh, I'm one another one. Of, we were talking about some like the, all the jobs I have. And one of my part time jobs is I sell beers over there at oh, Target yeah? Field. Yeah. Gig is a gig, man. That's right. That's right. Yeah, gig. and uh, the exciting thing in my world, of course, is the Minnesota Wild are in the playoffs. So, and I have the same job over there at the uh, hockey games. Yeah, they took the Blackhawks to uh, to overtime. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. but lost. Yeah, but well. Blackhawks are pretty much favored to win it all. Yes, they are. So living in California, do you keep um, your allegiance to your Wisconsin teams? I do, but they have uh, assumed a secondary position. They have. Brewers are 
my favorite team outside of the San Francisco Giants. And the Packers, alas and alack, I, I root for the Niners. Really? Actually, you know, it's hard because I, I heads, we, we went to Packers games when I was a kid. Again, we got tickets when they, they, were, they sucked. Yeah. And then we had tickets um, in the Milwaukee because they used to do a dual uh, residency. They'd do four games in Green Bay and three in Milwaukee. Yeah, they play at County Stadium, guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got to see them there. But I got to tell you, when the Packers and the Niners get into the playoffs, I root for whoever has the ball. Oh, I suppose. You know? Yeah. All right. All right. Rogers throws it. Driver catches it. Yes. Oh, he fumbles. Okay. <laughs> and we're running it. Patrick Willis is running it back. <laughs> so I'm I'm happy whatever happens. You do know your football, given the names there. You know what you're talking about. Uh, I, yeah. I decided... Uh, because I'm so old, I'm ancient, way beyond archaic, entering dark sarcophagus territory. So uh, I decided that I winnowed my my uh, my entire life down to like three or four things, which is uh, baseball, politics, and mystery novels, and that, that's that's pretty much because I tried everything else, gave everything else a shot, and uh, I'm big on food too. Food. Food, and you get the black sheep pizza right over there, which is one of the best pizza I've had in the country. Really, in I the get, country. Guess I know what you're going to be doing the next couple of days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What else do you normally do when you're in a town, killing time? Uh, normally, uh, when I was a kid, I would go out and see things, and you know, at least one museum a week, and you know, blah blah. And now I, uh, because. Uh, and I talk about this in my little one-man show, the fact that I hit the comedy wave right when it was cresting. So I was able to shoot through for you know a long time just by working clubs. And now, I'm except for specific clubs where they have a smart clientele and uh, you know semi-adults, yeah. such as Minneapolis, Seattle, Chicago, uh, <laughs> DC. Uh, and San Francisco, I, it's hard for me to do Kansas City because they just stare at me like, "Why is this bitter old man lecturing me?" <laughs> you know. And if I were famous, you know, like uh, some some people I know, uh, you know, uh, very famous people come see me on purpose, but I have to pretty much get the crowd that will uh, show up there. Sure. And so I, I've uh, for thirty years I was retired, you know, from. The age of 28, when I started being a headliner until 58, which was a couple of years ago, I could work clubs all over the country. And now, uh, now I have to, you know, do theaters and corporate gigs and and write. Yeah. So I was retired when you want to be retired, you know, from 28 to 50. I would, you know, this was my work day. I'd wake up afternoon and wander down to the club when it got dark out, and then eat and drink for free. Yeah. Go home a couple hours after bar time. Sure. And then wake up and do it all over again. But now, now I have to write and I have to do all this. I get a nationally syndicated humor column that's due on Friday. I do the commentaries that's due on Thursday, and then I write for a couple magazines. And so I'm, so I'm pretty much working a lot. Yeah, isn't it's the opposite of what you should be doing. I know, I know, but I like to work. Oh, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Well, let's let's dig into what are the, some of those things you're doing. What the uh, the column. Is that the one I saw in the Huffington Post? Yes. 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 They carry it uh, once a week. Uh, but uh, I, I, I shoot it out to my 
syndicator on Friday. Okay. And uh, Huffington doesn't get it till Sunday, so my syndicator gets a couple days. Oh, okay. Exclusivity, and it's carried in about thirty or forty newspapers around the country, and. You know, they're not big newspapers, you know, the Artesia New Mexico newspaper, where I get a lot of angry emails, uh, Prescott, Arizona statesman, uh, uh, there's a town in Arkansas called Toad Suck, I'm not making this I've up. I've heard of that. Toad yeah. Suck, uh-huh. I get a lot of angry emails from Toad Suck, which <laughs> I think is redundant, I'm not sure. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then I, I write that, and, uh, and then I've had a couple of books of compilations of columns. Oh, okay, that's, odd. so those, you have quite a few books, don't you? Just three. Just three. Yeah. And they're all put together? Uh, two are compilations, one was a, a caption thing for funny pictures, and, and I'm, uh, I think this fall I'm writing a, a mystery novel set, set in a comedy club. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because my wife and I are the last owners of a club in San Francisco called the Holy City Zoo, Uh which was a seminal club back in the 80s and early 90s, and it died, I think, in 93. And so we still, but I mean, everybody went through there, you know, I mean, uh, Robin was a, a habitué he would show up after other gigs all the comics yeah. would show up after gigs it was kind of like a clubhouse and so i my wife and i still owe the name we had to give up the club because it ate out our retirement money oh, and no. Uh, oh, no. so we still have the club so i'm gonna title the first uh, book murder at the holy city zoo because i own the title yeah <laughs> i own the name of the club no one's gonna sue me yeah no one else is using it <laughs> yeah that's right perfect yeah wow so you haven't started writing at all? I get a lot of notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. A lot how, of notes. How long have you been thinking about doing that? Writing a- Oh, 20 years, yeah. Have you tried before? No. I, I, I write a little thing called The 32nd Mystery. And it's, uh, I got this uh, character, it's kind of like a, you know, the typical cliche, hard-boiled detective. Okay. And, and they're just like little paragraphs, 100 words. Hundred words, and it, I try to do a whole mystery. Like one is him saying, uh, "You know, being stuck in the trunk of a car is not that bad." And then he explains it, where you try to get air, and then, but uh, when you feel when you feel yourself go weightless, and you know you're going off a cliff into water, that's bad. <laughs> so, so stuff I've done stuff like that. Oh, okay, how about and now you, you said the um, there's the syndicated column, and then the there's some radio stuff, right? Yeah, I do commentaries for about thirteen different radio stations. I shoot them out. If you guys want to, if you guys want to use them for your your podcast, I'll, I'll shoot them out to you. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can pick and choose. Where do you record those? Just sitting in your hotel room? Yeah, I just had to do it this morning. Oh really? Yeah, this one is on drones, and there's a guy in California, State Senator Alex Padilla, who has uh, submitted a bill to the legislature that would ban personal drones for spying civilian drones and then require law enforcement agencies to you know obtain a warrant before uh deploying a, a drone oh, okay and so uh i took the opposite tack this one is actual satire where i say yeah but what about all the jobs you're ruining you know and, <laughs> and so that's that's what this one is do you have your own what are those i keep reading about these uh, those google what are those? Those Google glasses? 
Oh, no, 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 no. no. He's, he's handing them out. And even if you make the, uh, the, the list for the beta testing, uh, you still have to pay the $1,500 for the Google Glass. And I, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> not happening? No. Yeah. The thing is, I'm not an early adopter. I'm, uh, I'm one of those guys who has to wait. You know, until it sifts out, until it's, you know, user-friendly and mm-hmm. stuff like But I know so many people my age, boomers, you know, who who are that guy. And we all know that guy. I don't need no computer. I've gotten this far with all. Right, right. You know, and I don't want to be that guy. So no, no. I do want to keep up. No, every time I get an email from my father, I'm like blown away. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's because it's so rare, and my dad, I can't even picture him sitting in front of a computer. My dad would computer no. I mean, cell phone, cell phone. He was. I would hand him, you know, go visit him, and my wife be on the cell phone. So I hand the cell phone to my dad. He would look at it like an enchanted rock. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> the way he held it, and dude, it's just a phone. Don't worry, it's like a princess phone. Remember, we went for the big ones. The, that's right. Know. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bought my dad a VCR one year, and this was, you know, after the beta VHS wars. You know, way past which. You know, divided families. Yes, yes. Entire seasons of Miami Vice that were incompatible, <laughs> and and so this wasn't even a top loader; it was a side loader. Oh, yeah, you know, way deep into the uh-huh. uh, evolution, and and I come back in summer. I bought it for Christmas. It's still in the package. He hadn't unpacked, so I take it out and I set it up, do the Channel Three thing, oh, yeah. you know, show him, and he loves it. And I come back for Thanksgiving. And the VCR is blinking 12. Right. Because of power, you know, thunderstorm, power, and he never, never reset. And I get down to reset. Leave it alone. You're going to break it, you know, because he was fine with the way it was. He had learned to adjust. And I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Isn't it? I remember we used to. Uh, you know, speaking of early adopters, like the family across the street, I remember being jealous because they had a microwave. And we didn't have one. And I was like begging my parents, you know, like, no, way, way, way too expensive. And then a VCR, same, that same family, they had a VCR, yeah. early adopters. Uh, if it was my birthday, we got to rent one. Rent Renting. a VCR? Yes. I used to do that at clubs all the time. Blockbuster used to rent VCRs, and I, and I, because the club will always put you up in the ubiquitous comedy condo. Sure. So I'd go to the Blockbuster and uh, rent the VCR, and then rent some tapes and watch movies. Can you imagine? I mean, just think about how much things have changed in. I know. Twenty five years back then were they were what three hundred four hundred dollars? Oh yeah. And it was only two fifty to rent for a weekend. I remember the first television I bought was a thirteen inch black and white, and it was like yeah, two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> no remote? Of course, no remote. No, we were the remotes. Oh man. Yeah, your parents wanted to change the channel because if you wanted to change the channel, tough titty. But if your parents wanted to change the channel, yes. Thankfully, uh, and when I was growing up, I was the remote control uh, for my parents. <laughs> but the uh, we had the forced air heat. So I, I would lay down like in front of the TV, but the heat would be blowing right uh, on me in the winter. So it really was like, it was like the coziest spot in the living room. So it wasn't really that bad. Like being in front of a fireplace. Yes, the closest <laughs> thing we had to a fireplace. Uh, looking at your bio here, five-time Emmy nominee. Yeah, yeah. For writing and hosting, uh, I had a show on PBS uh, called Livelihood, and these were Northern California. 
Emmy nominations, okay. not national. Yeah, the local, uh, but locals, local yeah. Emmys. Yep. And uh, livelihood was on uh, PBS for about four years. We we did four specials, and uh, so I wrote for it, and I was a host and co-creator. I was fired. I've been fired by PBS. That was my times. next question. Three times. Yeah. Three times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> very proud. Uh, very proud. They keep hiring me back, and uh, they're they're actually considering another <laughs> rehiring me for another show. But, really? Yeah. But so that, who hasn't le- learned their lesson? You or them? No, different guys keep coming in. Okay. Yeah, different guys. Any stories behind losing these jobs? Just one time, uh, the guy who had produced uh, the Smothers Brothers' second show took over from uh, the person who had hired me at KQED. And uh, he decided to get rid of my show. And it was just when it was, uh, this was another show. It was called The Durst Amendment. And it was right when it was, uh, you know, gaining traction. We were picked up by three or four uh, channel uh, stations. And this was after Mark Russell. So Mark Rus- Russell would do a half hour. And they started running me at the other half hour. So, and then he fired me. So, and then he got fired two years later. Ah. And uh, the guy who... Uh, fired me from the San Francisco Examiner because the same thing happened. One guy hires you because he thinks you're funny, and then the other guy comes in and he doesn't get it, you know, because everybody's got a different sense of humor. And uh, this guy fired me, and then a year later he was bitten on the foot by uh, a giant monitor lizard. So there were... Um, yes. Seriously? Yeah. It wasn't that... Uh, who's the... Uh... The guy was married to Sharon Stone. Is that him? Yeah, yeah. Phil Bronson. 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 What Bronstein. is it? Bronstein. Bronstein. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, remember yeah. that story. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And he fired me. He didn't. He didn't say whether he thought myself was funny. He said all my friends don't think it's funny. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> exactly. Wow. <laughs> my my friends think we should break up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's happened too. <laughs> that's happened many times to all of us, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not me. No, no. It's them. Uh-uh. No, sir. You know, I'm regretting right now. I'm realizing, I'm looking at some of these notes I brought. I have a copy of that book, The All-American Sport of Bipartisan Bashing. Oh, why? I have a copy of that at home. Why? Uh, because it fell into my hands after, I think it was sent to the radio station when you were promoting it, whenever uh, that came out. that's right, when I came back. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, bring it. I'll sign it. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Wish I would have brought I know, I know I have that. You're in boxing gloves on the cover. That's right. And we're <laughs> supposed to be one red, one blue, but they, they screwed up. I uh, I was looking at your website, by the way, is really cool. I like how it's set up like a newspaper. Oh, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. yeah. Will Durst Journal. Yeah. I really like that. Oh, thanks. Uh, it, this list of jobs. It's all true. All true. All true. No kidding. They're I, alphabetical. I left a couple off because they were done as stunts. For my TV show, for I, livelihood. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't include, uh, I was a, a coal miner for uh, a day. Uh, I actually went down in a vertical coal mine in West Virginia, the wow. deepest vertical coal mine in America, in North America. And also, I, was, uh, I, I did an overnight shift at a convenience store. Which uh, I didn't, so I didn't include those. But all those are real, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to ask you about some of them here. What did I, if I remember, 108? 108? Yeah. Is that how many are listed? 108 jobs. <laughs> My goodness. Starts with actor, of course. It was uh, in a movie. Yeah? It was in a movie. Which movie? It was uh, It was in two movies. One was called uh, The Midnight... Uh, 
a red light sting, and it was with Farrah Fawcett and Jeff Bridges. Oh wow! But it was made for TV, and I got three lines. Yeah. And they are that him, tough break. Those are two of them. Uh, then I was in Jack, uh, the movie where Robin Williams plays a kid with progeria, which means that he ages. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's still a twelve-year-old. Uh, but uh, my scene was cut out, but it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola, so I got to have lunch with Coppola. Hey. I know. That's pretty good. And my wife was in a movie called uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. The Tim Burton? Yeah, she does, like, he didn't direct it, though. He produced it, and he's still pissed, and he's still trying to reclaim, because Nightmare Before Christmas is like this cult thing, so he keeps trying to do other movies that will, you know, like The Corpse Bride or Frank and Wayne, but they still don't have the cachet. They don't. Of, of uh, Nightmare. And she did like three voices in it. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. She's the one who does, there goes Christmas. She plays a little corpse child. So for a while there, uh, every every Christmas season, Fox would run uh, greatest cinematic Christmas moments ever. And she'd get 500 bucks from Fox every year just for using those three lines. No there kidding. Christmas. And, but that was produced by Disney, and the movie that I did was produced by Disney. So she'll get a residual check in the mail, and it'll be like $250 for, you know, uh, uh, European cable third run right and i'll get something from jack i swear to god it'll be less than a dollar yeah yeah it'll be 87 cents yeah and so whenever her check arrives on a quarterly basis i know my check and she mocks me mercilessly you know well how much is your check right right (laughs) i remember seeing a special about uh weird al yankovic uh, years ago not too long ago. In any case, uh, and he did that movie UHF yeah, yeah. back in the 80s. And yeah, Emo yeah. Phillips has a small scene in that movie. And Emo talks about getting a check, a residual check for three cents. Ooh. And he held it up on the camera. Like, Ooh. Yeah, three cents. Ooh. <laughs> so. Yeah, I've never gotten one that small. Yeah, I don't. And then you wonder, you know, if it's under a dollar, just keep it. <laughs> yeah, you got to put it on the wall or something, right? Either that or I can. I can raffle it off. You know, a Walt Disney signed check to Will Durst for hey. 86 cents. Yeah, yeah. That's got to be worth something. Uh-huh. More than 86 cents. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. another One of the jobs I want to ask you, assistant manager at a pizza hut? Yes. I had a run as assistant managers. I see that. I was assistant manager at a Radio Shack, and this was way, way, way back when we had tube testers, which is uh, t- televisions had tubes. Correct. And so Radio Shack had a tube tester, and you would go down and check because your TV was screwing up. You didn't know which tube you needed to replace, and they actually had tube testers. And uh, then I was assistant manager at Radio Shack, and they fired me because I was not. And they would all go out, you know, all the Radio Shack guys afterwards. I mean, uh, the Pizza Hut guys, they met with other Pizza Hut guys yeah. you know, from other other stores. Uh-huh. And they'd all go out drinking, all the Pizza Hut, and I didn't really fit into the whole Pizza Hut lifestyle because <laughs> it's true. That's why they fired me. Because uh, so, I was going off trying to do comedy. Durst, you're not Pizza Hut material. That's right. <laughs> wow. That's right. <laughs> wow. How about Audience Wrangler for Jerry Lewis Telethon? That was one of the ways that I first got into stand-up comedy. Was, really? Yeah, my I was with an agency in Milwaukee, and they did the the 
little Labor Day telethon, you know, because they always have the local remotes. Yeah, that's right. And there was a guy in Milwaukee named Alexei Jankowski. And he would go by the name AJ, A-Y-E-J-A-Y-E. Okay. And he was a clown. And he came from a circus family from uh, Eastern Europe. I don't know where. Jankowski, maybe Hungarian. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but he came in America and he had done circus arts. And he was the first Ronald McDonald hired by the Chicago advertising agency. And so he was the first Ronald McDonald. Okay. And then I think it was Willard Scott became the TV Ronald McDonald. Oh, that's right. But this guy, AJ, was the first. And he went around the country and he taught all the other Ronald McDonalds. And he wrote a book that everybody had to buy if you were Ronald McDonald. <laughs> so he, he was like Trouble Clown. And he would go to, you know, Fargo when the, the Ronald McDonald got in trouble with the cops, you know, for getting a little too happy with the kid on sure, his lap sure, and, sure. and stuff. And. And he was also a stand-up comic. He had started his career as a stand-up comic. So I found out that, and he was there, and I told him while I was wrangling the audience, and you just get him to applaud and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and he and I told him I wanted to be a stand-up comic, and he got me an audition back in 1974, and it was an audition uh, to be a stand-up comic. They had a review at the airport, and it was you know. This was a big thing in the 50s. New faces, you know, and they would do songs and skits and and they'd have a stand-up comic. Well, of course, since it was big in the 50s in New York, it was still going strong in Milwaukee in in 1974. (laughs) And and, uh, so they had a comic and the comic would wear a tuxedo and he'd tell jokes. You know, I think he had two 10-minute slots. And so there was an audition for it, and I auditioned for it. Died miserably. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. But I had cobbled together a seven-minute set to do the audition. Yeah. And then they had an open mic night in Milwaukee on a Monday night at a place called The Rusty Nail. And I went down, and I had some theater training, had some writing. I was writing for the local underground newspaper and and the UWM Post. And so I went on stage because, you know, I had some the- – I was pretty good, you know, compared to the other guys. Yeah. And, and when you start out doing stand-up, you start out doing seven minutes or five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And you keep doing it, and you run that puppy into the ground. Yeah. And uh, before you know it, like in six months, that seven minutes is like – 10 or 12 minutes because you just found segues on stage or you you said a funny thing one time it became a permanent part of the act or yep. you realize it just grows organically so then you then you're only allotted seven minutes so you have to pick the best, <laughs> yeah, yeah. best seven and that's how your act grows when when you start out do you remember what you were joking about and 1974? I remember my first joke on stage. I still bring it back occasionally. What does a snail say when he rides in the back of a turtle? Wee! Because a snail's real real slow, and to, to him, the, the turtle is out of control. Okay, but, <laughs> and I was doing stuff about, about Milwaukee. There was a lot of stuff about Milwaukee. Um, because Milwaukee was so stable. And there were only four TV channels back then. So everybody knew the uh, our, our number one news personality in Milwaukee when I started doing this was a hand puppet. It what? was Albert the Alley Cat. And he was the weatherman 
on Channel 6, uh-huh. Albert the Alley Cat. And uh, so I imagine this thing, a, a visiting, uh, you know, a corporate guy coming into town, staying at a hotel that nobody could pronounce because it was the Fister, but, you know, it looks like <laughs> Pfister. That's right. And then, you know, the Daniel P. Honebridge, a, a six... A 1.6 mile span that uh, overlooks a city sewage treatment plant and connects two alleys, <laughs> and then the Milwaukee Zoo, the largest and big, big, uh, and the Milwaukee Zoo had we had a gorilla problem at the time, and because our gorilla wasn't very fertile, so they actually showed him pornographic movies of oh. other gorillas doing it. <laughs> so I I wove all this stuff together, and that was. As a matter of fact, for for so long, I had so much stuff on Milwaukee that when I left Milwaukee, I had a 40-minute 40, 40 set, but 20 minutes was on Milwaukee. And they yeah. wondered, well, what the hell are you going to do in San Francisco? And I figured, well, I'll just go to San Francisco and do stuff on San Francisco. But because San Francisco was such a transient city, people didn't really know. Know the area. No, they didn't. Yeah. Not like they knew Milwaukee because sure. they'd grown up with it. Oh, that's really interesting. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting no, no. I love it. Way afield. No, no, no. I love it. I love it. Um, let's see here. Corn roaster, Wisconsin State Fair. Yeah, that was uh, the New Berlin Lions Club, and all you had to do was take the corn and you know uh, into the roaster, and then drag it over, and then dip it into the vat of butter oh, when yeah. people bought it. Oh, yeah. That was very simple. That's got to be one of the biggest uh, or the most popular stands at the Minnesota State Fair is yeah, yeah. the uh, roasted corn. Except for, come on, with the stop with the deep-fried bacon and the, the deep-fried everything. It's like a contest now. No, no, it's the on a stick is the ridiculous thing. Oh, that's thing. right. Everything's yeah. on a stick. That and, um, and the bacon was the chocolate-covered bacon. That's but the what, next step. There was bacon on a stick. There was chocolate covered bacon. Yeah. There's pork chop on a stick. Pork chop on a stick. Beer on a stick. No. Yeah. Ooh. It's sort of they. They kind of just fake it. They basically it's they a jump uh, the shark. It's more like a paddle, and it just holds your uh, cups of beer. But <laughs> yeah. hey, it's marketing. I guess it works. I guess it works. Uh, what margin margarine smuggler? Margarine smuggler. Up until uh, 1967. Uh, margarine, colored margarine, was illegal in Wisconsin because of the dairy lobby. So you could still buy margarine, but it was white. It looked like lard. Oh, and, and yeah. housewives and mothers and families didn't want to put lard. It looked like lard, and it came with dye packs, and you could mix it. But nobody was willing to do that. So we would drive down to the Illinois border, and they would have gas stations. And they and it said oleo, giant, huge signs oleo. So every weekend in the neighborhood where I grew up, uh, station wagons, one station wagon was designated to drive down and make a margarine run. And Wisconsin did this, you know, up until and so I got to go on a couple and you know pack the station wagon full of oleo. That was a margarine smuggler. <laughs> That's a new one. I've never heard of that. No, nobody has. I uh, all right. I think I want to ask you about something else here. There was a story that came out this week. Uh, Milton Berle's jokes are for sale. Did you hear about that? No, no, you didn't. No, yes. Uh, Milton Berle's legendary joke file. 
chock full of vintage one-liners and wisecracks. Uh, it hits the auction block this Saturday, Cinco de Mayo, or that'd be Sunday. Cinco de Sunday. I bet you, I bet you the guy from HBO buys it. Why do you say that? Because he's got a joke file. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, uh, it says he, Uncle Milty carefully maintained his collection in four feet high, eight drawer file cabinets. But uh, you know the the rumors that he stole most of these jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Thief of uh, Baghdad was a, a big movie in the '30s. And okay. They actually called Uncle Milty the thief of bad gags. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. I know uh, we played. But play- then there's other rumors about Uncle, Uncle Milty. <laughs> yeah, the. Uh, you know that one? The swing and death in between yeah, his yeah. legs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the giant schlong, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that one's true either. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think he took that with him to the grave. I don't think that's in the <laughs> file cabinets. <laughs> Although, supposedly, John Dillinger's member. Is in the Smithsonian. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I get a dose Snopes on that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, even in this article here, it mentions the thing you just did, the cigar-chomping burl known as the thief of bad gags, which is kind of a tongue twister right. to say. Uh, have you ever thought somebody stealing your stuff? You know, I have a problem. Uh, it's It's being a political comic. And I realize that because the pool that we're dipping in is so small when you're dealing with topical stuff. But I can't watch uh, the guy on HBO. I can't watch uh, Jon Stewart. I can't watch uh, even the Letterman monologue is, uh, although I allow myself Letterman and sometimes Leno, but I can't watch Colbert or any of those shows for a couple of reasons. One, I'm afraid that months later I'll be writing something and something will bubble up from my subconscious and I won't realize that I'm nicking something. And two, the other thing is that I've seen stuff on those shows that I know I wrote and I've had it in print and I've had it laid down. Really? uh, And I've seen it on stage and that pisses me off. But also what happens is Sometimes when I'm delivering that line in the future on stage, I will stutter step it and I won't have the same confidence with it because I'll think that the audience saw it somewhere else and oh, think, no. oh, he took it. So so I'm just reinforcing their opinion by not having total confidence in my voice with it. So that's why I don't watch it. But yeah, I think, you know, when, when we... Uh, when we topical guys, uh, you know, political guys, you know, there's a very, you know, I mean, the president did one of my jokes. Uh, uh, no, really? uh, no, no. Conan did one of my jokes at the correspondence dinner, which was uh, uh, Milt Romney. You know, he uh, uh, he lost to a black guy whose middle name was Hussein during a shitty economy. He was a bad candidate. And Conan did almost the same exact joke, only rewording it. Really? So that, yeah, that, that, that. And my wife said, hey, he just took it. I said, I know. <laughs> so is it worth, I mean, is there any recourse when someone, you just kind of go, right. you just kind of say jokes. what you're doing now, like, yeah, write I noticed. More jokes. Yeah, just write more jokes. Write more jokes. Yeah, I suppose. The uh, Just to wrap up that Milton Burl thing, they think. Well, let me ask you how much you think the pre-sale estimate is for his Couple two file cap. 
couple hundred grand. Yeah. They're only saying ten to fifteen thousand. Really? Yeah. Did you see this story about uh, Beyonce? I'm sure you're a big Beyonce fan. <laughs> Jay Z. Man, she's got thighs. She'd crush her little head. Yeah. But- yeah. Yeah. Hey. Big girl. Give it. Give it a shot. They, uh, the big story this morning was that they, uh, someone stumbled upon her tour rider. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> Let me see what you think of this. Among her demands, no junk food. Her crew can only wear clothes made of 100% cotton. Uh, the use of titanium straws to drink a special alkaline water served at exactly 21 degrees. Uh, 21 that must be uh, centigrade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, freshly painted white walls in her dressing room. Degrees is what seventy. I, I read someplace else. Yeah, it's like sixty something. I think. Well, twenty degrees is sixty-eight. Okay. And thirty degrees is eighty-six. That's how I remember it because they're reversed. Ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. See, yeah, we're pretty close there. Freshly painted white walls in her dressing room. Also, a new toilet seat. That's the one I actually can't understand. The salad bar must be comp- comprised only of green items, and this is my favorite one: red toilet paper. Red toilet paper. Where do you get red toilet paper? I don't know. Well, you can't find it anywhere because she has it all. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's it. Yeah. All green vegetables? Yeah. 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 I mean, that one makes sense, too. Red toilet paper? I don't know. Maybe she, maybe the green vegetables and the red, she's into <laughs> some sort of Christmas thing? I don't know. Yeah. If you, Will Durst, could, uh, were the most successful... Coffee. Coffee? That's what I always if you, ask. Okay. Coffee backstage. Coffee, that's it? Yeah. You know, it's, you know these writers, sometimes uh, the rumor has it that... Uh, I think it was Metallica asked for. Um, was it Metallica? Who somebody asked for uh, M and M's in the back and all the brown ones. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Now, then after that came out and they were properly mocked and scoffed and taunted for the silliness of the, they said or somebody on their staff said, "Well, the deal is we have pyrotechnics on stage, and they have to be followed." I mean, it's very careful and needs to be precise with the staging and if and if they come into the back room they see brown m&ms in their bowl of m&ms they realize they didn't read the writer they might not have read the Ah. pyrotechnic specifications so that's that's what they claim it makes kind of makes sense it does yeah it kind of makes sense insurance for sloppiness yeah 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 i like that i like that uh so you would let's say i mean would anything extravagant if you let's say your superstar uh you know most successful entertainer on the planet will durst i know but the thing is i can't eat now these guys are totally different because they have to go through a sound check they have dancers that have to deal with another stage so they have to they're there for the whole day yeah me you know <laughs> i wander in you know it's uh so it's it's just a man and a microphone, the final frontier. It's not like, uh, you know, incredible. So I'm there for an hour. So water, coffee, and maybe some salty, maybe maybe some savory, maybe some some sugary thing. But yeah. I I no sugary that would be treats. About it. Did you? Uh, uh, what was the other bit? The, the other- thing is, every comic loves to see something back there. Just the effort. Oh, really? Yeah, producers yeah. don't realize it. 
well, you know, the money, yeah, you can always talk us down on the money. You know, you can always, <laughs> you can always get us because we're stage whores. We will, right, right. we need to perform. My joke when I do benefits is, you know, us comics, you know, we'll, we'll go there for any, we don't care what the cause is. We just need to be on that stage. You know, it could be a, a benefit for lawyers without summer homes in <laughs> Tahoe. You know, yes. we don't care. Uh, so, but if you have something backstage, you know, just a couple of waters, maybe some cheese, you know, here in the Midwest, you know, some good sausage. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There you go. You know, we're happy, you know. Did you hear the story uh, coming out of your home state of Wisconsin about uh, Leroy Butler? You remember that name? Leroy Butler was a defensive back? That's right. Safety for the Packers. Even though he was teammates with uh, Favre back in the day, as they say. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. And uh, he, former Vi- uh, Vikings, I almost said Vikings, look at that. Former Packers well, safety. Favre was. That's right. Uh, Leroy Butler, he was supposed to give a speech at a Wisconsin church this week, Uh-oh. but that speech was canceled when Leroy Butler had to, because uh, he said something nice about NBA player Jason Collins, the one who just came out. Leroy Butler tweeted something nice, and uh, the church found out about that and said, you're not invited anymore. You haven't heard this one? Where is this church? When Collins came out as gay on Tuesday, Butler tweeted, congrats to Jason Collins. Uh... And then it says those four words were enough to make the church decide that Butler lacks the morals to speak to its congregation. Here's the problem. These congregations have never met an openly gay person. They don't understand. And all the old white people who are afraid and God-fearing and don't understand, and they got a mean, petty God. My God, you know, kind of all-inclusive, good guy, mm-hmm. doesn't care what color your skin is, doesn't judge you. Yeah, and these people are all dying off. The kids today don't care about black or white or gay Mm-mm. or straight. Yeah, you're right. They don't, they don't care. Yep. So this is... This kind of thought is is it's tailing off. It's it's at an end. It's it's dead ending. It's in a spiral. They're all gonna die. And there will always be prejudice and and stupidity and fear as long as Mitch McConnell has a say in things. But <laughs> but but this is this is you know pretty soon gay marriage will be commonplace. Yeah. Until finally it's mandatory. <laughs> I uh, well, you know, they were open. Uh, I didn't. I mean, in 2013, it's not open-minded. Um, but they they did invite a black guy, so they're at least somewhat they invited hit. a Packer. That's true. They invited a Packer. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, <laughs> when former Packer is above your title, uh, oh. it doesn't matter what color you <laughs> no, are. No, is that no. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's Wisconsin. Yeah. So, Do we know where in Wisconsin did it? Say? It was. Uh, let's see. I scheduled this to speak at a church in Wisconsin. No, um, okay. Let's see. I don't believe it says, and I don't remember yeah. off the top of my mind. Let's just say it's Milwaukee. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not Milwaukee. It's West Bend or something. Uh, I got another one here. All right. You said you have the. Uh, you owned a comedy club. I did. Yeah. Now you just have the name. And the memorabilia. And the memorabilia. How about uh, Jeff Foxworthy, Bill Engvall, and Larry the Cable Guy? Did you hear what they're doing? No. They've laid out plans for a 500-acre Alabama attraction that's described... (laughs) (laughs) Described as Six Flags meets Branson. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. 
crappy wood. <laughs> this is true, Will. Yeah. There really are. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Do you know how many theme parks? Jeez. Do we? Is this needed? Do we need a theme park by the... Uh, Alabama, yes! By the blue-collar comedy guys? Sure, what the hell. It's <laughs> Alabama. They should have all the entertainment they deserve. Yeah, there's going to be a... Uh, the restaurants uh, named after the uh, those three gentlemen. There's going to be a Jeff Foxworthy themed steakhouse, a Bill Engvall fish spot, and a Larry the Cable Guy rib joint. Yeah. Uh huh. You might be a catchatory if. <laughs> it says uh, uh, one of the uh, like the uh, smaller investors in this thing, Tony Orlando. I don't know how he fits in with those guys, but he'll perform there. I suppose they're I looking suppose. for a new Branson. I bet. Yeah. So there you go. I lie. If you, you smart know, move. Yeah, smart move. You'll be sending your uh, your I tape worked, over there. I worked with. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you know, the South and I have a deal. If you draw an invisible line between Atlanta and St. Louis, I don't work south of there, and they don't hire me. So okay. that's our deal. Yeah, that, that that should work for everybody. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> That's very funny. It's actually Charleston, South Carolina. What's that? Is there a story there? No, no. I'm, I'm just thinking of the invisible line. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's farther north than Atlanta. Oh, okay. okay. It might be Charlotte. Um, back to your bio. It says 800 plus television appearances. Do you remember your first one? Mm, well, there were a couple local ones in San Francisco, but the first national one was... Showtime used to televise the finals of the San Francisco International Open Stand-Up Comedy Competition, which was a big deal back in the 80s. It's still going on. But uh, Showtime did it. And this was when my father, this was when uh, he jumped on board. Well, he didn't stand in the way of the Wilders comedy train. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I would talk to him about show business, and he would just shut down. You know, just like a computer, just nothing. He wouldn't say interesting. He wouldn't. I would talk about doing stand up, nothing, you know. And uh, until we went back to sports and he would complain about how black guys were ruining basketball. Oh, uh, but uh, and then I was on Showtime and I came in fourth out of five. You know, it was the finals, of San Francisco. And suddenly my dad saw it because somebody had a tape and he went over. You know, this was uh, in the middle 80s, and he watched it, and uh, suddenly he's a he's an expert oh, on yeah. comedy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't have come in for it. Oh, you deserve better than that. The guy in front of you did Cats and Dogs. Everybody does Cats and Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so... It was so, you know, effervescent. It, was, it just bubbled me because my dad, you know, finally understood... Something yeah. about what it was that it was. Do, would you remember to... who were the other people on that show that he saw? Um, Jim Samuels won. Uh, who else? Doctor Gonzo came in fifth. Carrie Snow was on it. I can't remember who else. What did uh, What did your dad do for a living? My dad was a machinist. You know, thirty thirty years, and he got uh, laid off six months before retirement, so they didn't have to pay him his full pension. Yeah, Kearney and Trekker. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. awful. I know. That is I know. awful. Wonder why the American worker is not that loyal. Huh. Yeah. 
We should. I do want to ask you. Uh, you know, we don't. I don't. You are a political. Would you say satirist? Political? No satirist. I mean, what I did today, and I'll shoot it to you, and uh, I'll say uh, whatever the you know without a laugh track or no laugh track, no laugh track <laughs> for no, no laugh track. Mm-hmm. I'm a little so I'll, I'll shoot it to you. That's satire because satire is where you say one thing but you mean another. Colbert is satire. Yeah. So I'm just a humor. Besides, you say satirist, and everybody thinks you have goat legs or something. You know, people aren't sure play a pan flute, but um, <laughs> I just tell jokes. You know, I'm, I'm a, yeah. I want to ask you a question that's sort of um, not really political, but sort of in that vein. Uh, and I just have a feeling you have a uh, opinion on this one. Should stupidity be illegal? <laughs> Well, it would make our job that much tougher, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> so I it's... mean, I, I, your your role as a morning show producer, I mean, how many stories do you just get yeah. off the wire? Oh, yeah. I mean, they provide us. Um, yeah, it should. Yeah, there should be a stupid tax, but uh, uh, maybe, just a t- maybe just tax stupidity. A tax? Well, that, that's interesting because that's what I was going to ask. What would the punishment be? Yeah. Yeah, we'll just tax people for being mm-hmm. stupid. <laughs> yeah, you can't make it illegal. You have to. You need a jail the size of Wyoming. <laughs> That's true. And of course, if uh, that person is in a part of the country where you know they they've some politician has said no more taxes, well then we'll just call it a stupidity fee. <laughs> is that correct? Do I have that right? I like that. Yeah. 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 How about this one? Here's a political one for you. I will worst president of the last twenty years, and why? Oh, you know what? I, I would have to say. Uh, it's, it's, let's go 30 years. Okay. 30 years. And, uh, no, let's go 40 years. And it would have to be a tie between, uh, George W. Bush and Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter, because he was totally useless. Both parties. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Both parties represented, uh, because he was totally useless. He came in on, after Watergate on an anti-Washington mandate, and he said, well, uh, you know, I'm going to bring my Georgia boys, and I don't need you in Washington. And they said, oh, yeah, I try to get anything done. And he couldn't. And so he never was able to turn that around. And George W. Bush, because he was totally unqualified for the job and fell under the spell of Dick Cheney. And then in the last two years, he actually repelled Dick Cheney. And he actually did grow grow into the role Six years too late. Um, so I think, which explains, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan invading the wrong country, and and yeah. So I would have to. But George W. Bush was so good for political comedy. No kidding. Those right? were the golden years. Yeah. You know, for eight wonderful years, he was like a father to me. <laughs> and 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 Romney would have been great too. Mm, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. But as a couple of other comics have said, you know. For the country, willing to take the bullet. That's right. Having to work harder for Obama. <laughs> and then how about uh, one final political question, uh, your favorite Michelle Obama hairstyle? <laughs> I like the bulletproof thing, you know, the hard candy shell. Yeah? That was my favorite, okay. you know. Her, be fl- <laughs> her totally still in the wind, but her nose is flapping, you know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think we've done enough for today. Well, um our job here is done. Yeah. No, I, it's never ending. Our job is never ending. Never ending. ending. No. Uh, thank, thank you, sir. Thank, thank you, you so much, Jason. Thank you. Uh, just one last thing. Tell people where they can find you on the internet, Twitter, all that stuff. Yeah, I write a column, and it's um, in the Huffington Post. You're going to go to the comedy section, and it's there every week. 
Otherwise, WillDurst.com, Twitter, hashtag is WillDurst, Facebook, uh, WillDurst fan page. And that's that's about it. Uh, uh, Got a little show coming up for baby boomers and uh, uh, should be appearing around the country, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you all. Thank you, man.